Good day, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. Uh, we have an incredibly important corporate update to share with you. Uh, there was news out of the Varesh project that is operated and being developed by Adriatic Metals of a $244.5 million finance package for the project there. And uh, the CEO, Mr. Paul Cronin, was happy to give us some of his time uh, during his busy day. I will note I'm also being joined by another co-host of the podcast, Mr. Paul Harris, who's been uh, helping us out here the last couple months. So there'll be three of us on this discussion. But uh, first, Mr. Cronin, I got to say congratulations on getting this done. Thank you very much. Um, I think we've been working on it for quite some time. Uh, I think it's a transformative financing for the company, um, allows us to be fully financed and just crack on and build this thing. Um, you know, we've obviously got a new partner um, in Orion Resource Finance uh, out of New York. Uh, Orion have been around the resources industry for a long time, uh, have a phenomenal uh, track record. Uh, in identifying good value assets um, uh, and we're looking forward to working with them. So they've come into both equity uh, and are providing a debt. So they've come on both sides of the transaction, which I think is great. It's great for our shareholders uh, to have the lender uh, in the same boat, if you like, uh, with them. Um, and obviously Sandfire uh, have also exited uh, their entire position um, following a, a realignment of their strategy, following uh, their recent acquisition of the uh, Matza assets in southern Spain. Uh, so this is coming about less than two months after your definitive feasibility study. Uh, I think it was expected this was going to happen, but in the grander scheme of things, what has has this been like five years since you kind of start? Is is that the time frame since you started taking on the Varish project? Uh, a little, little over four. Yeah. Wow, just incredible. That's a uh, warp speed in this industry. Yeah, and look, it's about, it's it's interesting in that you know when we first um, started marketing the project, um, you know the biggest concerns everybody had was well, you know Bosnia it's an unknown jurisdiction, European mining has had its uh, fair share of of troubles uh, for junior companies, um, you know, and are you going to be able to get this done? And I think what we've demonstrated through a really strong uh, community and environmental approach is that you can do things in Europe and you can get community support, you can get a social license, you can then get government support behind you. Uh, and I don't know whether you saw it uh, today, but in the Financial Times in London, uh, the Bosnian Prime Minister put in a quote there uh, expressing his government's uh, desire to work with us uh, and how proud they were to see a very large investment uh, in Bosnia um, by the global community, because we've got shareholders all over the world. And as a result of this capital raising, uh, we've got a lot more large institutions from all over Europe, the US, Canada, Australia, Hong Kong, and Singapore, um, who, are, who are now you know, actively invested in the future of this project and by default in the future of Bosnia. Paul, how, how did you sort of get the, the social license to operate, the community support, the government support? Um, you know, Bosnia is a relatively small country. Um, you mentioned mm. Europe, uh, people are, you know, don't expect mining to happen in Europe. So um, I imagine that was quite a challenge. How, how did you get, go about that? Yeah, look, I've always had a view for a while, Paul, that if you try and build a mega project in Europe, you're going to run into problems. 
Um, you know, there are examples of successful mega projects such as Atelier's uh, Projecto Rio Tinto project in southern Spain. Um, uh, but if you actually focus on smaller, high value uh, projects that have a smaller environmental footprint um, and less impact on a community, then you're more likely to be successful. With Varish, we were lucky. Um, Varish was a mining town. Uh, that town was created for mining. Uh, there was a large iron ore pit that was, uh, that was discovered in the late 1800s uh, during the Austro-Hungarian uh, reign of that territory. Uh, and that town um, was basically there to service that mining operation. Um, so mining is in the blood. The coat of arms for the town uh, you know, is mining. Um, people understood it there. In fact, they wanted it again. But we also had to tread very, very carefully. We had to explain to the local community exactly who we were and what we were doing. We explained to them that we were conducting an environmental, uh, social and health impact assessment that far exceeded any national guidelines. Um, uh, and we worked through them with that. We set up a public liaison committee where we explained to them what we were doing and why we were doing it. Um, we used social media very successfully. We used local radio very successfully in communicating um, to the community what we were doing and who we were. And in doing that, we hired a lot of, of young um, and somewhat inexperienced professionals who were very, very bright from the local community, but hadn't been given the opportunities like this. And we've spent years training them up, you know, attaching them to some of the old farts that we have working in the company to help them um, understand their jobs. Now those, you know, three or four years later, those young professionals are top notch, absolutely top notch. Um, and uh, we've started to build a really good workforce there. We've created a lot of opportunities for young Bosnians that would have otherwise probably emigrated to other countries. Um, and if you, you know, I've been living in Bosnia now for a while. If you understand the Bosnian people, they have an affinity with that country. They have an affinity with its culture, um, with its diversity, um, and they love to come back there. Um, whether they've been living in Australia their all lives or Canada or the US, every summer they converge there. Um, Bosnians are really proud of Bosnia. Um, uh, and it is an amazing place. Um, and I think if you understand that and you create the opportunities to, to give them those opportunities to not have to emigrate uh, for work and for opportunity, um, then you do get support. You get support from their parents and their grandparents um, who still live in those local communities in those villages who want to see progress. They want to see change, um, but they want to see it done in the right way. And I think that's what Adriatic's done really well. Uh, we've done it in the right way. We've engaged the community all along. Uh, we've identified issues. And we did this quite early on with a company in London called Critical Resource. Um, Critical Resource are, are a renowned ESG consulting firm. They're used by banks and major mining companies all over the world. Um, they came to site back in, I think it was July 2019. Um, and we sat and worked out a pathway uh, to a social license. Um, and we've implemented almost every one of their suggestions over time. Um, and then obviously with EBRD coming in, which is a very popular brand in, in Bosnia because it's a huge provider of, 
of finance to a variety of projects across a variety of sectors, um, people were starting to feel that there was this trust there. And I think, um, you know, as we all uh, live and work in that community, that trust was built. That trust was then conveyed up the political chain uh, to the cantonal government, to the federal government. Um, and as a result of that, we've both now got strong government support and we've got a social license in our local community to, to operate, not just in terms of the production of the Varish Silver Project, but also future exploration. And I think it will provide other opportunities to us in Bosnia in the way that we've conducted ourselves. And it is my hope that it will also provide other opportunities to us in other jurisdictions within Europe, not just Serbia, where we've obviously uh, acquired uh, the Raska project, um, but in places uh, you know like Spain, like Finland, uh, like Sweden, um, uh, that obviously also sit on very prolific mineral belts. Maybe but Romania? That might be a bit <laughs> too... Bit, bit, no Romanian, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, congratulations. It sounds wonderful. We'll definitely have to reorganise a site visit. And, and while we're on the sort of CS uh, ESG theme, another sort of question there to go a bit deeper. Orion is very, very tough on, on that in terms of um, projects meeting their requirement. They, I know they do extensive due diligence. And now, of course, a, a key thing is carbon footprint. And um, what did it take to get them over the line to, to, to make the investment? Well, make the investment. Uh, look, a lot. I mean, we've been, they've had an independent technical expert prepare a report for them. Um, uh, we've done what they were comfortable with for the equity and now we'll finish it off for the debt. Um, we haven't released our full ESIA yet. Um, it has now been fully reviewed uh, by EBRD. Uh, we are having it translated into Bosnian um, and it'll be published on our website, both Adriatic, uh, our local website and EBRD's website. Um, and then we'll be having a series of public um, meetings, I guess, sort of roundtable coffee sessions where some of our young staff who've worked on that ESIA are going to present various sections of it to, to people who are interested. And we're going to try and sort of get a very uh, proactive engagement from the community on the, on the uh, environmental management plans, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and how we're going to ensure that they don't have excess traffic on the roads, they don't have air quality issues, water quality issues, uh, or anything else. Um, and that's been a very, very proactive process that we've done with Wardell Armstrong uh, in particular, uh, a number of other uh, Bosnian companies that have worked with us on this, EBRD and now, uh, and now Orion. Um, uh, you know, if you get through the EBRD uh, checklist, you're kind of going to get through anyone, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, Orion, uh, you know, they are very thorough. Um, uh, but they kind of, uh, they had the professor mark the exam before they got to see the, see the result. Okay, well, congratulations on that. To use that analogy. Uh, Paul, I, you know, I, I know a lot of the team over to Ryan. They've got an office here in Denver, so I'm obviously familiar with uh, many of them. I, I do want to kind of go back and kind of break down the parts of this financing. So it was a total of $244.5 million dollars combination yep. of 142 and a half million dollars debt financing through Orion 
Uh, there's part of that I want to hit. I want to hit home with. But on the second half of that, second part of the big, the big second part was 102 million dollar equity financing. 50 million of that is going to be subscribed by Orion. So they're coming in on many different angles here. But one part that really caught my attention was this 22 and a half million dollar copper stream as part of the debt finance. Uh, why was the copper aspect of the project? kind of collateral here and why was it uh you know given the current copper market was it hard to say you know let, let let's use this to our to our advantage um look the copper in our project shouldn't be there um we don't know why it's there um uh, but it is uh and it doesn't make up a huge part of our revenue we haven't been able to make a copper concentrate um we're still selling the copper through essentially a silver lead concentrate um, and in global concentrate markets that means you're only going to get paid the lead price for it hmm. um, and so for us it was a logical thing if we had to do a stream uh, at all to sort of get the the non-equity uh, financing up copper was a logical commodity to do it on i also took um, advice from uh, 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 a quite a well-informed guy on Twitter called uh, Trader Pamploma or something like that, who told me that I'd be an idiot if I streamed away any of the precious metals. I took his advice and he's, he's absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> Kudos to Pamps. Good job. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll, I'll, I'll never not take the Pamps advice. Um, uh, well, not publicly anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is about as public as it gets, Paul. So we're gonna—I'm not gonna edit that so one out. <laughs> so, so Adriatic Silver uh, has, uh, <laughs> uh, well, has uh, yeah. So we've entered into this into this arrangement with Orion. It is 120 million in senior secured debt, uh, 7.5% coupon, uh, um, plus LIBOR. You you had mentioned Sandfire Resources stepping away from this project. Uh, you know, you attributed that to them the recent developments of that company acquiring a different project. But how does that relationship with Sandfire still stand? Uh, well, look, now that they've sold out, there is um, no relationship with Sandfire. Um, it was a it was a difficult relationship anyway. Um, quite frankly, um, as you know, uh, you know, last year Sandfire. Um, uh, lodged a lawsuit against us uh, after there were some changes in the in the ASX listing rules, um, uh, and and I think from that point it was quite a you know it was reasonably fractious. Although we did settle that dispute, um, I think Sanfire clearly, uh, you know, they've had this phenomenal asset in Western Australia um, that has just been generating cash hand over fist for them. Um, you know, for them, uh, you know, I guess the way I look at it is they've graduated to a league where they're now looking to expand their portfolio, not just into development assets, but into producing assets. Um, and so they themselves have done, you know, a pretty transformative um, uh, financing uh, that has allowed them to buy, you know, a, a, an asset in Spain, Um uh, that is that is a a good asset, um, uh, a really well built, well run mining operation uh, with a great team uh, behind it. Um, and so, you know, it's it's time to sort of 
part ways, I guess. Um, uh, we'll go, we'll go our way, and uh, and they will go theirs. Well, Sandfire wasn't the only one to sell shares. I mean, in the news release, you also noted that you're selling three million of your shares. I think it was about twelve percent of how much you own. Uh, you know, and this is really, I think, caught a lot of people's attention. Why sell your shares at a discount? Do you know, uh, it was because we were concerned we didn't have enough supply. So we had to do a prospectus in London. That prospectus is coming out uh, uh, tomorrow, I think. Um, uh, that prospectus required us to obviously do everything that the prospectus has. Uh, and when we looked at the amount of potential supply of stock into a capital raising, uh, it wasn't enough to any, get anywhere near the level of demand. Um, uh, and so I agreed at the time that I would provide a small amount of my stock to increase the availability. Um, Sandfire then obviously advised us that they were selling out. Um, but because the prospectus had been through multiple reads, we couldn't really change it without delaying the financing. And so it got, it got left there. Um, as it turns out, uh, even with the enlarged Sandfire placement, so we placed out all of their stock uh, in a secondary offering, we still had almost double um, what we were trying to put together. Um, uh, and, you know, so that that three million was needed um, to try and give people an allocation that wasn't insulting, quite frankly. Yeah, I think some of the, there was a little bit of chatter online that the equity position through this deal was maybe a little bit larger than expected. But, you know, I mean, do you have any see any challenges getting that part filled? No. So if you look at the, the use of funds, um, we obviously have 168 million uh, for the, the capital build. We also have quite a large working capital requirement because we're bringing so much material to surface ahead of plant commissioning. Um, so we raise that in inequity. We also had to make provisions for the potential redemption uh, of the QRC convertible note. Uh, um, and everyone's aware of the terms of that. Um, you know, it gets redeemed on project financing. Um, uh, now, it, I would assume um, logically that uh, that QRC will, will convert that note. But again, because we were going through a prospectus process, we had to show that we'd covered off, uh, you know, each aspect of that. And the other thing we've raised uh, is, is a big expiration budget mm -hmm. for 2022. Um, quite a phenomenal exploration budget that, uh, you know, give it four or five weeks and you'll see why we've raised that. Um, you know, we, we have been drilling. Uh, we put out a hole a few weeks back that was uh, a bit of a distance from the main ore body. We've been drilling that out. Uh, we're going to keep drilling that out. Um, plus, we've also got a lot of new ground that we've picked up in this new concession we, you know, we're drilling on Orty at the moment. We're keen to get into Droskovac. Um, there's a number of high priority areas that we'd like to drill uh, over the next 12 or 18 months. Um, uh, and we don't wanna, we don't wanna sort of have to wait uh, for cash generation out of the project to do that. We, we wanna get in there and do that. I believe that will add a lot of value um, and very quickly. 20, $20 million exploration allocated from this? 20 uh, but i've also got a current cash balance of 22.4 so mm. um what i always say to my geologists is uh you give me a budget 
um, and then come back each week and I'll let you know how much you can spend. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, they hate me for it, but you always use your expiration budget as a bit of a swing budget, right? So uh, we're no exception to that. Um, But the guys know that, you know, if they're drilling through monsters, I'm going to give them more budget. Um, uh, So, you know... Um, you know, potentially can go that way as well. So um, how is the exploration going to dovetail with the development? Because obviously you've raised the money to build. Um, building takes a lot of time and focus. You mentioned um, you needed extra working capital because you're going to be bringing material to surface before you can process it. So um, um, exploring at the same time, spending, going aggressive on exploration at the same time. Um, you know, some say, you know, you perhaps shouldn't do two things at once because you never know you might need that money for something else to do with the build. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with exploration is you can always pare it down a little bit. Your staff costs are only a small part of your exploration budget and we wouldn't want to lose any of our staff. But if you, you know, if you hand, we hand out drilling contracts on 2000 meter basis. Um, we know that those rigs are there. They're always going to be available to us. Uh, if we want to drill, here's another 2,000 metres. Go get it some. Um, uh, so you, you can manage that quite dynamically um, where you want to. Um, you know, the other, the other issue is, is how do we physically manage an exploration team running around whilst we're doing, uh, you know, site construction. Um, we have gone through a construction site uh, management plan on how that's going to work and how we're going to sort of manage traffic conditions between construction traffic and, and exploration traffic. Um, we've also taken uh, the geologists and we're booting them into a new building uh, that is better location for where they uh, are going to be working. Um, so they're going to sort of separate a little bit from the operations side of the business. And that gives us uh, you know, more space in our current um, in our current buildings to, you know, to build uh, the environmental labs that we need, to build the metallurgical labs that we need um, uh, and, the, and, the, and the geos and all of their, you know, 100,000 metres of core um, can, can go and find somewhere else to hang out. Uh, Paul, Paul my, la- my last question actually uh, came from uh, somebody I, I know you know pretty well. <laughs> uh, but there's a question about the debt repayments. There's 10 equal debt repayments that's laid out in uh, in in this financing. Are those strict? Like, do you have to pay pay those 10 or can you expedite those and say push it to eight and just by paying more? No, you can, we can prepay yeah. uh, the loan at any time without penalty. Okay. Uh, it, that is one of the attractions of this a package that Orion have very cleverly put together. They have they've looked at the cash flow profile of the company and gone, well, you know what? We're going to give them a four and a half year loan because you know sometimes things get delayed, sometimes things go wrong, whatever. Um, but they've also enabled us to really pare down that loan quite quickly, um, and that's a big plus for us because we, you know, we'd be we'd be keep keen to do that. Um, and then look at re-leveraging for uh, a more aggressive growth strategy. Um, you know, the other thing that's in the Orion term sheet, um, uh, which we've got to further define, is that providing us uh, a f- access to a facility or a potential facility uh, up to a quarter of a billion dollars for acquisitions. 
Um, so we've expressed to them our desire to take that, you know, well, that European style model of, of small, high margin, low impact mining operations um, and convince them that with that, we, you know, we can grow into a, into a mid-tier um, European focused mining company. Um, uh, and, they, and they like that idea, they believe in that idea and they're willing to put their, their bank balance behind it. I, I think Orion is just a phenomenal partner. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be working with them. Uh, Paul, I appreciate your time again. Congratulations. I know uh, you're taking a little bit of time away from your day here. It's been a busy week for you, but I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, also Paul Harris for joining us and asking in his questions. I think we covered a lot of ground here. And I look forward to uh, hopefully catching up with you, maybe in London even, first week of December. Yeah, look forward to that. Um, no, I'm sorry I'm sitting in a car in a <laughs> in a motorway service station somewhere in northern england i'm not quite sure where but um next time i'll try and do it from the office <laughs> there you go that's paul cronin from adriatic metals trading on the asx with adt and on the london stock exchange with adt1 and on the otcqx with admlf appreciate your time paul have yourself a great travel the information presented should not be considered investment advice Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak to a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.